nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Valentine's Day edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are recording this about an hour before the Champions League games kick off tonight. And we're doing a part two of sorts in what was a very popular segment that we recorded. Oh, I don't know couple games after or maybe even right after Real Madrid lost to Barca 3-0 in the Super Cup final. We did a podcast, a collab with Statsbomb to give some Real Madrid fans hope. And it was a very popular segment. So what the heck? It was a fun conversation and people liked it. What reason is there not to keep doing this? So part two of this discussion and hopefully part two of many of the Statsbomb collab. And joining me to go through this episode is Ali Fakharani of Statsbomb and Siddharth Ramsundar, who is a regular, obviously, on Managing Madrid. You all know him and and hopefully by now Ali pretty well, too. So welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing? Great, great. Um, I think last time we really hit a lot of important points on the nail. We talked about how Modric is declining, how Kamavinga needs to play more. Um, Ali, what do you think so far of the last few weeks? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think um, I think the performances have gotten better. Simultaneously, like we were right and we were wrong because I think the performance have gotten better, but 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 Madrid have gone ahead and dropped five points in the since since we've spoken. And I think um, I think that speaks to a lack of depth, which we can touch on a little. Uh, there's definitely um, you know without, without the core pillars of the team in attack, I think. They struggle a little. Uh, the 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 B team attack, if you will, is is, is not quite there. Um, but generally, I thought we were we 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 were quite good with some of our takes. I thought um, that Sociedad performance the day after the podcast was was maybe the best of the of the year. Um, the Villarreal Copa tie. I've I've only got sixty minutes of that, but that was quite positive, and it it felt like they were trending quite well and and. This is going to tie into a, a larger theme as we do these Champions League previews a little. You can start feeling the effect of the World Cup right now. Um, I know I know February is usually the, the dark days anyways for most of these teams. But I think everyone I've watched has felt off the pace. Arsenal have felt off the pace. City have felt off the pace. Uh, United are struggling with, uh, with injuries and suspensions. Um, it's felt, even Barcelona last two games, it's and and they've done some tactical tweaks to get a little better, but it has felt like the physical level. Like mid February is the it's the worst point of the season, uh, and you're starting to feel like the teams who have depth versus not. Uh, pe- people are starting to gear up for these Champions League runs, and um, it's exciting. I'm 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 excited. I'm excited for the rest of the season. Historically speaking, I think Real Madrid usually peak around March on a on a good year. <clears throat> Um, and then there are there are years, obviously, where they're just bad throughout the whole season or peak too early. But generally speaking, Real Madrid, you kind of see their true form in March. It's funny you bring up that Real Sociedad game because I felt that 
that performance against La Real kind of was in line with what we were saying on the podcast in terms of, hey, the team is going to get better. It's probably better than the results show. It's better than the performances show. There is a there is a gear that this team hasn't clicked into yet. And I think that the ironic thing is that they they use that performance to drop two points. And in a game, unfortunately for them, I think if you replay, they win that game nine times out of ten. Just some things just didn't go their way and they couldn't finish. But it is what it is. And conversely, they find themselves in a huge La Liga deficit despite improving somewhat in their performances because Barca just can't lose. I think it's 12 in a row now they've won. Xavi has equaled Pep's a record in that sense, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or surpassed it, or one of those two. Either way, they're flying. And I don't know if their performances have necessarily been flying, but they, but I, but still they've been very good. And whether or not they're flying doesn't really matter, just in the sense that their defense is impenetrable right now. And anytime they they look like they're conceding a breakaway, Araujo sprints over and stops it. Their defense has been incredible. So I just I have. I have some faith that maybe Real Madrid can get their shit together for La Liga, but the problem is it's way too late, and and Barca's just not going to give up that lead. I, I don't think. Um, Ali, do you feel differently about the Champions League? If we're going to assume La Liga is over, what are what are Real Madrid's chances in the Champions League? How does how can this break for them? So I would start by saying I I do not think La Liga is over. Uh, I, I realize it's eleven points and an extra game. That's a um, jinx. You know, deep down, you're just trying to you're just trying to no, no, reverse I, I jinx think, or whatever you're trying is, to do. I think it is uh, it is more likely, you know, I don't know, seventy five percent Barcelona's way, eighty percent Barcelona's way. But I don't think you can uh, point to like these recent Barcelona performances, and and they have turned the table, uh, turned the page tactically. I think the 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 I think what they've shown is a extreme. Um, I think the, the big thing that has been clear over the last three weeks is the depth, right? Like Lewandowski goes missing. Lewandowski's been missing since the World Cup and it hasn't really mattered. They have different ways of winning. Um, and that is, you know, very cliche, but very championship caliber stuff. But I don't think you watch these games and Ter Stegen is man of the match in half of them. And I don't think you can... I know that's crazy. I know they're, they're, they profile as an elite defense, but... I'm call me old fashioned when your keeper is the man of the match. I'm, I'm not happy. <laughs> now, obviously, maybe it's too much. Maybe it's an eleven point gap is too much. Uh, back to your Champions League point. No, I think, I think if you can guarantee me that the that the 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 two people in the box, aka Courtois and Benzema, are fit and firing, I think I think the the Real Madrid starting eleven uh, have a gear that is only matched by. Um, Potentially Bayern and uh, and maybe City, although we haven't really seen it this year. Um, and so I, I would have them, as I said last time, I would have them favored in this Liverpool tie. I know Liverpool put together their maybe best performance of the year yesterday. Um, and they're starting to get a little fit. Uh, and they've figured out some some things in midfield with the addition of the, the young kid and then Jota's back and, uh, you know, they look a little better than they did when we previewed in, in January, but um, I think Real Madrid. Uh, this is the I, I I kind of maintain my point from last time. This is a weird year. I think arguably four of the top seven teams in Europe are out are out of the Champions League by the quarterfinal this year. Uh, one of Bayern PSG is gone. Uh, one of Real Madrid Liverpool is gone. Arsenal and United look terrific and terrifying. I would not want to play them in Europe, and and they're both in the Europa. 
Barcelona, who you can make fun of the Champions League uh, disaster all you want, but that is a team you don't want to face uh, the way they're playing. So if they were in the Champions League, that would be a much tougher draw. And so you're left with, you're left as a neutral. I'm left hoping, do Napoli have that? Can they show extra gear, right? Like can Chelsea or Tottenham, one of the, the English giants not having a good season, can they put together a little run? But otherwise, I think it's a, it's a wide open year. And I think the, this is one of the first years that has felt not super clubby in the sense that I don't think anyone's at the A-plus level right now. I don't know if that's the World Cup speaking. I don't know if that's... Uh, uh, I don't know if I change my mind in, in an hour and a half if Bayern tear through this PSG side or whatever. But um, it has felt to me that uh, we don't have an elite team right now in, in, in Europe. We don't have an obvious favorite. I think City have clear holes. I think Arsenal are too young and outside. Barcelona have problems. Real Madrid have problems. Uh, even Bayern, by the way, who, who profile as the best team. Seven draws. I, I don't think they're, they're, they're... Yeah, they profile as the best team, but they also are having a pathetic Bundesliga season by their standards. I think that's what makes this season so fascinating. Um, I think the... Yeah, like, I think if anything, it's gotten more likely for Madrid to win in the week since we've spoken, just with the way... Every week, I'm just seeing more reasons why there won't be a team that cares to peak in April, May as much as Madrid. As far as every team's focus is all over the place. City, you know, Pep seems to have been rotating Ruben Diaz and different guys out of the lineup. He's bringing them back in now. Um, I agree. Liverpool look better. Um, I just have I has I still have a lot of trouble taking them seriously as a tactical outfit. Um, I, I don't really think Napoli have enough talent. I'm going to, it's a hot take. Napoli and Benfica, there are some dark horses that are good enough to give big teams problems. I think a good one that comes to mind is really Atletico Madrid. A lot of those years, they were just good enough to take on a big team and beat them head to head. Um, this year, I agree. There is no A-plus team in Europe. And, you know, that's just the scenario where Real Madrid tends to win. If there is no A-plus team, it means Real can win. Um yeah, I think things have gotten much more favorable for this team. And, you know, Bayern's an interesting one. We're going to see them play today. I think that's the one tie that if Real get that, they might be just screwed as far as both tactically. It's a very good team. And it brings us to an interesting point because, um, you know, Bayern and Madrid could both have picked up Joao Cancelo and only Bayern went for him. I was just wondering, do either of you have any thoughts on how that almost speaks to like Real Madrid are sitting on 500 million or whatever here. And they chose to waive a key player who could come and add to their Champions League contention. Like why are and how are these teams making decisions? Why is Bayern saying, you know, this extra 50 to 70 million is worth it to increase our odds for two seasons. But Real are like, Hey, we could go back to back, but screw it. Let's save money for Mbappe. What is, what do you guys think here? <clears throat> I'd be curious to see what Ali says about this. And there was just so much st stuff that you guys said that I want to touch on. But on the Cancelo thing, I think it was a mistake to turn that down. The The devil's advocate to, to signing him was that, okay, his salary is too high. Um, maybe he'll cause some problems. You know, if he wasn't happy with City and Pep and playing time and all that, would he have caused some problems with Real Madrid? Can Bayern offer him the starting right back role more clearly than Real Madrid can? Uh, because uh, uh, Masrawi got injured, and now I personally I don't think that Real Madrid uh, have a solid 
case based on logic to deny Cancelo a starting right back role because he would be the best right back immediately when he arrives. But the club's thinking is, okay, well, we have Carvajal, we have, and then we have a bunch of players who can play right back. To me, that was a mistake not to upgrade that position. Um, but I, my, my case with this was always, listen, even if he causes some problems, even if you have to pay him some money for six months, you have literally no obligation. If it worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. You don't have to. You don't. You start Carvajal if you want to start Carvajal. He he his ego just blows up the locker room, and you're not committed to him after this. And that's the worst case scenario. And if it works out, then it works out. So I my risk to rewards, um, I guess calculation of this was that I think it would have been worth bringing him in because I Ram could really use some offensive production at the at the wing back slot, and obviously he can play on the left too. So. I, I think I think it was a mistake. I, I'm curious to know what uh, if Ali would debunk or, or agree with that. Um, yeah, I think I lean a little uh, different than than you guys uh, with with the Cancelo thing. Um, look, coaches and clubs tend to be conservative in January. Uh, uh, Carvajal is is a is a Madrid legend and probably a big figure in the dressing room. And I do think that the one thing that pops into my head when we speak about Cancelo is like, he seems to be very much like a right back whose, um, whose powers are activated the most by very tactical coaches. Like he's not your, he's not your plug and play uh, normal right back, right? Like he, he, he did not have great stints at Juve and uh, I believe it was Valencia before Juve, although I'm, I yeah, might be mistaken. Valencia. Um, and he seems very much like a Pep Nagelsmann guy, not a Carlo guy, like winning your individual duels and, and all that stuff. Now, look, teams are generally conservative in January. Um, that was probably a deal where they had to make a decision very quickly. It seems like they fell out very quickly in Manchester and, and things just, um, it's very hard to look at Carvajal in the eye after, you know, Champions League final last year and tell him, hey, hey, you're moving to the bench. And then I don't think Carlo plays Cancelo at left back. Like, I just don't think that team is, is structured that way. Um, obviously, frustrating when, when oh, the flip side is Madrid have been great at like finding opportunities when there are none. Uh, Tony Cruz comes to mind. How the hell did they buy Tony Cruz off Byron? Who, who, who knows? Pretty uh, great Alaba, both free. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I'm sure they, I'm sure they waited. Uh, th th there's a, l a larger discussion here about what are they doing with all this money? Why are they waiting? Um, I do think that's a mistake. Uh, Kylian Mbappe is the best player in the world. Kylian Mbappe might be the best European player ever. Uh, Kylian Mbappe is insane. He's 23. I understand it all, but he doesn't win you football games all alone, and you need to still be making depth signings. You still need to be figuring out right wing. You still need to be on the... It feels like Real Madrid have been on the defensive in the transfer market. Like, I will... Oh, I don't know where to park this money, so I will go get sure things, like a Chumani, etc. But there's no there's no vision to... What, what does the Kylian Mbappé-led attack look like, even? Like, I'm, like he, he replaces Benzema or Vinicius, and then and then what? Like there, there are still profiles that need to be found. There's that backup striker spot. There's the right wing spot, and um, th that would be much more interesting. I, I thought you guys would be a very natural fit for uh, for uh, a Salah, a kind of post peak Mo Salah 
uh, before he resigned for Liverpool. Like that, that kind of deal is is what I would expect uh, Real to be in. But but they've they've shown a tendency. Look, I, I applaud the patience. I wish more teams had it. Uh, but I, I still I can't quite understand the plan right now. Yeah, I mean, I will just add Joao Cancelo. He was actually better at his old clubs than is remembered as far as he was actually on Juve the season he left. The reason Juve infuriate me so much is um the season they sold him, they swapped him for Danilio. And um, basically, he, I thought when watching Juve in Champions League games, he was one of the only players who could actually keep the ball against pressure. And um, as soon as they sold him, I'm like, okay, then you sold your chances of succeeding with Ronaldo because um, I thought he did do well. A lot of the reports were that he fell out with Max Allegri because of these small personality quirks where, um, where if he doesn't get played or if he gets criticized, he doesn't take it well, he gets too upset on himself. And I can understand Real having qualms about that. But um, I and I can see why he's not a plug and play at left back. But um, at right back, I think he is a plug and play because at right back, all he does is overlap like a maniac. He knows exactly when to overlap. He can underlap. He Nagelsmann said, you've played for years under one of the best coaches, man. Just go out there and do whatever you want. And he went out there and assisted in his first game. Literally, um, they called it the best um, like flight to like pitch performance, like straight got straight off the flight, came on the pitch and showed up. Um. I can't help but see that being something he could have done at Real where, you know, if we signed him first day, he comes off at the Bernabeu, plays right back, overlaps, gives us a presence that we don't have on that wing. Um, I can understand the philosophy only as far as um, Real do not want to sign anyone who is not either the very best at their position or they're getting an absurdly good deal at the market rate at which they're getting them. Cancelo for 70 million. That's probably his market value at his age, if you consider that he, um, you know, has brain farts defensively. When you consider that sole factor where he has brain farts, he argues with coaches, he doesn't have the best temperament, and you're getting offered $70 million. But that's the thing where Keon says, again, you could just sign him, and if it doesn't work, let him go back. Like, don't keep him. Um, and the last factor there that I think went through the club's mind was um, – we don't want to get in the habit of just taking swings on people who might be unhappy in our locker room. We want this to be a place where people come in, feel valued, become part of the family, and then they only leave if they have to. But they don't want this to be a place with high turnover. And I understand why Real Madrid prioritizes that. Because as Real Madrid, you need to be very desirable. You want a lot of people to come and not want to leave. Um, so that's just my only perspective. And Cancelo, easy chance for him to come. And like very many scenarios where he doesn't provide you a lot more than 70 million in value. Yeah. I mean, I think also Real Madrid, not traditionally a place where players go out on loan and, and Cancelo would have been a rental basically for six months. And it, I, I would be very surprised if even if he, he comes in and he wins you the champions league, I'd be surprised if Real Madrid would dish out that 70 million to keep him even in the best case scenario, to be quite honest. So may, I'm sure that that factors into their mind. And as Ali said, it's a, it's a very quick thing that happened. Like basically overnight, he, he leaves city. Uh, Byron have also always liked Kinsella, um by all reports. And I think that also probably matters in this and, and Real Madrid were like, uh, they probably just made a quick calculation, decided against it. Ali also, asked an interesting question of like, okay, so how does someone like Mbappe fits into what you are trying to do? And I think with Real Madrid, historically speaking, they've never thought that way. It's, we shape shift to whatever superstar is here. That's it. Like, you know, okay, if, if Ruben... Yeah, I, think is, this is the, 
this is the price though a little right where if the superstar changes his mind three summers in a row you're kind of left in between a little uh in between plans uh, and i'm sure he's gonna end up there but like this yeah. is this is kind of the price of like player first and we'll figure the rest out later which which has worked traditionally right well, putting your eggs in one basket is not a good idea in in any principle of life, I don't think. And in this case, it was kind of like that. I also think, you know, with regards to market opportunities, because you said you listed off Rudiger and Alaba, and and before that, Al, uh, you mentioned Cruz. Another market opportunity was there in terms of a free agent this summer was Ganabri on the right wing, if you were thinking that way. But it does seem that Real Madrid are like, okay, if we're going to add contracts to our already existing contracts. We have to be very careful of who that guy is. I think at some level, they're still scarred by Bale and Hazard and the way that's yeah. worked out. Um, over committing, like this whole, like Vlahovic uh, was someone that came up yesterday, obviously, and, and Richarlison. Vlahovic's contract runs until 2027. I'm kind of very skeptical of whether you want to commit to that long term just because he's all of a sudden maybe available because UA's a mess. Um, so I think Real Madrid are probably thinking like, it's either we make sure this is the guy we want or we just avoid just adding all these players to our roster when we can't even get rid of half of them. I do think there is an argument to be made that maybe you could approach this more ruthlessly the way Barcelona has with their contracts. Like, okay, we got to get rid of contracts. We're not just going to sit on our thumbs and be like, oh, I guess these guys have to just sit on our bench for five years. Where Barca were proactively tried to move these guys quickly, and that's what they did. And I wonder if Real Madrid should adopt some of that thinking with some of the contracts they have. Should they have tried to push Hazard out on loan if they can't get rid of him? Maybe pay half his salary, let him go somewhere. I don't know where, but and that's always the problem. Like where should Real Madrid? These are questions. Like I, I don't. I don't think there's an easy answer to it. I, it but Carvajal and Vasquez Barca... are like. Two players who, I, from a from a football standpoint, you could argue can be upgraded, but I also think there's a loyalty aspect to it that the club is starting to really value. Like, okay, like yeah, maybe we can get a better wing back, but do we really want to push out two legends who have done nothing but work hard and never complain and always put their life on the pitch for us? Is that uh, is that the ethical? <laughs> and plus, for future stars, they may look at the way they're they're treated for whether they want to join the club or not. I think they they value that stuff. No, I think players do too. I think that's the main downside of what Barcelona did. Um, they succeeded, but they have burnt a lot of relationships and bridges in certain capacities with the board change. And um, yeah, I do think um, there's a benefit to not shoving people out the door. And there's a huge benefit to essentially standing pat and not picking up Cancelo. It's just not going to be realized for some time. And eventually you just start asking, what? when do you start worrying about now instead of this principle that's going to make you a timeless brand in human history. Um, it is an interesting question. Most clubs cannot afford this type of patience. I think it's, um, that's why it's so interesting. Most clubs can't afford to like afford this patience while still being contenders in the champions league. Um, and I guess the, a uh, good place to segue here. One thing we didn't talk about a few weeks ago was Danny Ceballos who has, um, kind of blown up the last few weeks. Ali probably pops off on some stats too. If you've looked at it as far as, um, I am gathering that he has just made that leap where as a central midfielder, you go from realizing how you like playing the game to realizing how you can have an impact on every phase of the game where you can actually go and do something instead of just 
thinking and wanting to pass and like positioning yourself, you actually just go, you go press, you go, you receive, you become more authoritative in the way you approach every phase of the game. And I think, you know, Danny Ceballos, I always thought between him and Kovacic, he was the one who was more likely to become super authoritative over time. Kovacic always loved dribbling way too much to like actually figure it out, in my opinion. To this day, he still does. Um, but Ceballos, yeah, I feel like he's made such a big leap where, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind keeping Modric on the bench, but it's starting to reach the stage where I wouldn't mind moving on from Luka Modric. I think we have a proper box-to-box, two-way Spanish CM in the middle of the park. What do you guys think? Oh, I was on mute. I, I knew we were going to talk about this. Um, so I just was just looking at some numbers quickly because the, the two things that mainly stand out to me about Ceballos is ball, ball progression is amazing and he works harder than I've ever seen anyone work on defense, maybe. like He, he just does not stop running. He does not stop showing for his teammates. If he gets the ball, he immediately passes vertically and then he moves into space. Like He just does not stop. The motor does not stop. Um, career highs right now in progressive carries per 90, progressive passes per 90, shot creating actions per 90, percentage of successful tackles, tackles and interceptions per 90. These, this is the best football in, in many ways of his career. Uh, I'm blown away. I think he's been amazing. I think this should change the way the club might think about who they sign and what happens to the midfielders in the coming years. By no means do I think he's better than Bellingham or something crazy like that. But I do think he can be a valuable squad player moving forward, like really valuable. I, I think he's been a revelation because part of this Real Madrid funk, it, it needed some fresh energy and life burst into it. And we're talking about that Real Sociedad game. That's kind of where it started. Although a game before that, actually, Copa del Rey via Real, second half, Ceballos went into Michael Jordan mode. But like you needed that energy from him. Um, I think he's been amazing. I, I think you should definitely keep him. I, my arm's definitely been twisted about renewing him. Such an interesting player. Um, always, always popped up on the stats everywhere. Arsenal, uh, yeah, Madrid in the early. Um, one of the things that's been interesting is Madrid haven't sold as well recently. Segwaying to our transfer conversation, now I always found it very interesting that he didn't stick at Arsenal. Uh, Weird player, needs rhythm for sure. And, um, you know, development curves aren't linear. People forget that a lot. Sometimes it clicks at 26, 27. I know we're in the age of like these kids show up at 18, super professional, super ready. Um, but like sometimes you never know what's going on with the player's confidence and and uh, and rhythm. Uh, obviously very talented, even from the, I believe he was, I may be wrong. I think he was the leader of that under 20 Spain team. Uh, that yeah. was quite good. Um, he was one of them, yeah. They, yeah, they, they were very good. And he's he's he definitely has the, the technical level, right? Um, I I might be a little ruthless and cutthroat and just like leverage this into like a nice sale. Um, you know, he's shown two months of amazing form. He's done it before. Uh, he was definitely a, a fan favorite at Arsenal for a little bit. So I, I just wonder what happened. Like, what 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 goes into that player that uh, he'll be up and down? Maybe he's figured it out. But like, one of the things, um, one of the things we have to reframe our mind a little is like Real Madrid and Barcelona are no longer the the big game in town when it comes to money. 
right? Like you have all these oil oil clubs and state-run clubs and all that. And so if you're going to operate, if you're B plus in money, but A plus in stature and players want to play for you, uh, one of the ways to keep that going is, is, is sell your, I don't mean to call this to survive, your overhyped players. Or, you know, uh, Liverpool used to do such a great job of this in the early club days and the early Michael Edwards days where, you know, they were getting rid of players for 30, 35 million who had played 10 times for them, 15 times for them, very, a lot of hype. Um, so your players, like whether it's Castilla players or uh, your Jovic's and Ceballos's and Asensio, and the fact that they couldn't find Asensio like a, a permanent home and they depend on him. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting combination. I think there's been this, uh, said you mentioned Spanish. In the, you know, there is a plan to be like a little more Spanish by Real Madrid, obviously, right? Like Valorente, Ceballos. Um, there was a group of signings that was very Spanish for a little bit. Yeah, Larimendi, all those types. Yeah, uh, obviously they haven't worked out, but I wonder if, if that's the reason they've, they've stuck with these uh, players a little longer than I would expect a ruthless club to. Um, I, I don't mean to, to, to rag at all on, on Dani Ceballos, who is a wonderful footballer to watch, really. I mean, I think part of the problem with, you know, going into that mode where you raise funds and, and sell him at, at, a, at a high market value, the way he's playing now is that you can't do that anymore because his contract expires at the, in the summertime. So you either renew him or don't. So you either let him go for free and just lose his value, the value you can bring to your squad or renew him, which I think the club should probably look at and reportedly is is going to do. It may have to do a little bit with what happens to Modric and Cruz. Does Cruz retire? Does Modric leave? Does Bellingham come? All that stuff is a little bit related. So I'm, I'm not sure, but um, yeah. I, 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 I think... How do you guys feel about... So last time we talked about Modric and Cruz, right? Like, how do you guys feel about... So obviously, Kamavinga has moved a little to left back. Uh, uh, Kiana, I saw you speaking about this. Um, I mean, I have to I have to shout out my local club. Uh, I was born 10 kilometers from them, Al-Ahli. Al-Ahli, I, I thought, gave you uh, a nice little run there. That was a, that was a nice first half. I, I did not expect it to be as competitive as it was. They were harder and, than uh, uh, Al-Hilal in the final, I think. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I saw you asking... If, if they're better, I think we beat them last year four 0 Yeah, um, and so yeah, that that that's a team that's been in the Champions League final three times in a row now. Ali, and so it, it was interesting watching Kamavinga struggle a little at left back. Um, we talked a little bit ab- about him wanting more minutes today in February of twenty three. If I told you, you know, long term Real Madrid midfield. That's obviously Chomeni, right? Like no one's disagreeing there as the as the six. Um, what are you guys? How are you guys feeling? Because I still I still see all these Bellingham hype, and I don't know. I can't for the life of me. I cannot figure out Valverde. Like I I don't know. People love him. People hate him. People. He's a very uh, weird player. Uh, and we talked last time about him like being more like of a right mid, a box to box guy that doesn't profile. Uh, the same. So, so long-term Real Madrid midfield. Are you saying Chumani, Ceballos, Bellingham? Is that is that the feeling today in 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 Real Madrid land? I don't I don't see Ceballos as a better starter than Camavinga. 
uh, or Fede for that matter. But I, I think so. I, I, I see more of Ceballos as a, as a, as an intrib- important contributor. Starts some games, comes off the bench, just a squad player to have. I see. Um, I see this getting harder, and I don't think the midfield will be like three fixed players outside. Maybe Chuamani is always the six, but um, I don't think it'll be as fixed as we go on with five subs. We're seeing coaches rotate more aggressively. We're seeing uh, even at Real an emphasis on having a bench unit available off the bench, where so that you don't start your best team because you need guys off the bench to press. So with the same three midfielders, maybe not playing 90 minutes, I think it's harder to predict than ever. It's because Fede, Camavinga, Ceballos, we live in a time where guys like that, you can't predict how good their peak stretches of form are going to be. And I think with the nature of the modern game, like even City, we're seeing guys like Bernardo, De Bruyne, they have so many micro fluctuations in form. And I think teams are starting to like increase the size of their midfield squads. And I actually think Camavinga... Ceballos, Chuameni, and Fede will all be essential to this midfield because that's still not enough in a modern game where guys are getting hurt. And, um, you know, the more I learn about nutrition, Benzema is a perfect example of this. Last season puts up the best season of his career. This season hurt. Last season I'm raving about his practices off the field. This season I can't tell you why it's not working. It's because nobody really has a full, perfect understanding of how things work to the point where they can have peak physical seasons without getting hurt, without getting rotated again and again and again. The days of that happening are probably over as teams press more and more. Tactics get better. I think La Liga tactically has actually reached a really difficult level. And I think that ties into why Barcelona have Ter Stegen being man of the match, even with these super teams, even with these high-energy rich players at Madrid or these well-organized high-energy rich players at Barca. We're seeing... um just it's hard to get three points without running yourself into the ground and just as an athlete you cannot have two halves of the same quality again and again that consistently it's just really hard to play 90 minutes without a drop off especially if you're doing the midfield legwork so my hot take is that actually they're going to keep all four and that's why they want bellingham they know they need a lot and the main thing that's changed for me is i'm just like much more willing to move on from Modric. And the reports indicate the club is also now starting to see that Cruz is the one who needs to be prioritized for renewal. And I'm finally seeing it with Modric. Let's just say I love him. I love his problem solving. But like you can't you can't like start him to give him rhythm for his problem solving in the few games he peaks every season if he's going to demand starting and demand minutes for rhythm, which I can't see Modric being fully a bench player, like say Xavi 2014-15 after a point. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't. I don't think Modric is the kind of guy who will create problems if he's not starting. That's the other thing. Like he's actually said this years ago when we thought, like when he was like 34 and old, we thought he was old. He was. He actually said things like, you know, we. I'm happy to be a mentor for Kovacic if, if Kovacic is the future starter, and and I have to take it back. It's like so, he said these things in the past and. Uh, and obviously age very gracefully. So I don't think he'll cause those problems in the locker room. But again, I think it's hard to juggle. The other thing that it depends on is Sabios ultimately has to decide, do I want to be part of this rotation or do I want to start somewhere? The problem is like, guys, can you think of any team that he actually just walks into that's and becomes a starter? I don't know. Like I'm talking about big teams. Like obviously you can go to like Betis and start probably, but you know, it's hard. Yeah, I still... I still... I, I probably need to do more video study. I'd love uh, uh, the my 
any favorite Real Madrid blogger to, to tackle this. Like, just by like any of the advanced stuff we look at, he's always been great. Why yeah. why doesn't he play? Why hasn't he broken through before? And what's the difference today? I've seen some of these games. He seems to be moving the ball a little quicker, the decision-making maybe. But um, I still can't figure out. Like, it's, it's a, he's a hard player to value. Um, in American sports, something that comes up a lot is like, uh, so obviously in American sports, they draft from college. Something that's come up with the smarter teams is they really care about your high school uh, caliber and like performance because maybe you're at a bad context in college. Mm. And so there is, a, there is a trend in soccer as well to like bet on the <clears throat> talent. Like maybe Ansu never figures it out. And then half a decade from now, someone bets on him and he explodes. Right, like, or he doesn't. He doesn't figure it out for four or five years here, where like the injury stuff gets in his head or whatever happens. Um, so obviously, always bet on these like highly super talented people and give them opportunities. But I, it's a very hard. It's a very tricky player to 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 uh, to evaluate because I, I don't. Is he this good? Is he last three games good? Then he walks into uh, he walks into anyway. United today yeah. if if he's that good. Uh, you know, he, he replaces Ericsson maybe, or uh, Chelsea need a, uh, I guess Chelsea now have Enzo and they need more of a six. But like Chelsea don't need anyone else. Just <laughs> they're good for the next 20 years. Yeah, I just well, would say with Ceballos, I think um, he, it really comes down to his contract demands. And if they're not too high, he has a squat place as a rotating midfielder at almost any top club the way he's playing. My question is if he is, um, does the burnabout want to give you a standing ovation good every week? You know, the burnabout chanting your name is something else. I I just think when that moment happened, it kind of solidified for me that um it's possible he's made a big leap because those fans don't do that, man. Like they don't do that for anybody. I just in my opinion, they don't do that for just anybody. In my experience, they don't do that for just anybody. Um, what do you think, Keon? Wasn't that a cool moment? Yeah, I mean, it also was good because it it meant that he's valued by the fans. So that's a nice sign. Uh my explanation of this as to why he didn't break through earlier um, and going back to the high school analogy, if Real Betis was high school, then he had a great high school cameo. He was amazing at Betis. Um, the under 20 Spanish team in the Betis era, that was one of the most exciting players we've seen uh, in a long time coming out of Spain in in midfield. And the one thing that I remember being impressed the most by him is his was his vision. He would play these passes that no one else could see. And and we saw it recently in the Club World Cup too. They assisted Rodrigo the back heel. Like he we broke that goal down and we were like at no point in the replay does Ceballos look behind him to know where Rodrigo is. He just knows. And so the the vision of the vision that he has is really impressive. Um the explanation as to why he didn't break through earlier the main one I think has to be that the two greatest central midfielders in club history were starting for Real Madrid for the longest time and were not going away. And they were more start- perplexed by the, I'm more perplexed by the Arsenal spot. He had Arteta. He was at the beginning of Arteta's and he's, Arteta seems like a good talent evaluator. I, I, I wonder what happened there. Um, I didn't like just, I didn't like the role that Arteta played him in. Um, we watched almost our, every Arsenal game for this podcast too because we did like the loan report. And uh, he often had him as the single pivot. Um, yeah, he was very first phase. Like figure, figure our first phase of progression out, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, 
yeah, he would infuriate. He was super talented. He would just be like, he would hold on to the ball a little. He, he was very similar to Kova in a way, who is like extremely talented, but is like, hey, dribble, 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 dribble. Like, okay, we're, we're here to never, score, bro. Never let's go the ball at the right time. Never. Yeah. <laughs> I think decision-making has improved. His decision-making is yeah. better now, yeah. I think. For sure. No, uh, development is, is definitely not linear. Um, he, he, he adds a... Look, he's a wonderful squad player to have. If you can get him to buy in and show up uh, motivated year in, year out, and like, oh, someone's down, Bellingham is out for the Champions League final, and he steps in, that's a beautiful place to be in as a club. Yeah. Um, well, some people are concerned that because this is a contract year, he's playing differently, um, which I don't think is... Uh... I think it's. I think it is a valid concern, but I would also say that we got that version of Ceballos in last year's Champions League. It kind of went under the radar, but all those games against the City, the comeback against City, the comeback against Chelsea and PSG, he played in all of those games off the bench and was really good. Um, yeah, and was there part was of the. Year he got 18, 19, 18, 19, He got like fifteen games, right? Yeah, eighteen nineteen. I got... think because Lopetegui, when Lopetegui was here. Um, he prioritized Ceballos, Isco, and Asensio, those three. Uh, so under yeah, the Lopetegui yeah, regime, he was a little bit higher up. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have a few minutes left before the game starts. I did want to go back to some previous discussion um, just about title odds and stuff like that. I know we kind of ran through maybe the small percentages that Real Madrid has in La Liga of recovering and whether Barcelona's form is sustainable. Um, it is worth pointing out that their ex- Barcelona's expected goals against is over double than their actual goals conceded. Um, so that goes back to the Ter Stegen point, and maybe, maybe they've they've dodged some bullets there. But again, even if it normalizes now, I think it's too late. Um, the Champions League odds are interesting to me because as you guys alluded to it earlier. There is no clear cut favorite. I mean, to me, I think City that team would be this would be Manchester City. Uh, by the odds, the three favorites are one City, two Bayern, three PSG, and then Liverpool and Real Madrid are tied at plus 1,000. Right off the bat, one of PSG and Bayern are gone after this tie. And one of Real Madrid Liverpool are gone. Um, it does cut... Exactly cut point, right? yeah, yeah. You end up with like Napoli's third favorite in a week. Yep. By default, yeah, honestly, it will be. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you're going to end up with Napoli's third favorite in a week. Yep. And it's going to be like, okay, here we are. And they're great. And they're fantastic. And I, I then we're going to, then we're going to hear about how they're way better than Real Madrid when Real get drawn against them. And then Real will walk over them like Atlanta a couple years ago and all these I others. Do think, I do think, um, I, I, I get that point. I, I get, no, no, they're, uh, but, but they are better for sure than all the yeah, teams. They're much better. And, uh, they have some high end talent. Like those two, those two guys are, are going to be at super clubs. It's a matter of, when, not if, and and by those two, I mean Uzimhin and and Kvaracella, who are just like really um, like they're fifteen points clear of a of a pretty competitive uh, yeah league. I think they're the best Syria team to be in Europe since Juve twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Yeah. Easily, yeah, um, easily true. Um, gonna be interesting. I, I think Chelsea have shown flashes of fifteen to twenty minute brilliance with the new. With the new guys in town, uh, Enzo is obviously all world. Um, the the French centre back is very good. Um, 
they're still missing some. They're not clicking an attack yet, but like that team is. I wouldn't want to play them if if we're talking like in a knockout if, time. If it's them or Inter or AC Milan or Leipzig or Porto, like I'd I'd much rather face um, those guys. Um, so yeah, it, it, you, to your point, Kian, we're gonna in in a week we're gonna end up with uh, City, one of Bayern and PSG, one of Madrid, Liverpool, and so Napoli are fourth favorites by default very soon as assuming they can take care of business and uh, and yeah I, I guess city is the i think all, us three on this call uh, respect city a lot i think the general public opinion is that it's a weird year and um, they're having obviously dressing room problems um i think people are like surprised that it's arsenal out of them so they assume city have been crap and they haven't been you know they're at they're trending to 90 points or whatever. It's kind of business as usual from a metrics perspective. Uh, the eye test does feel a little different. They're missing, they're changing and chopping the back line way too much. And uh, they haven't figured out uh, how to play off Holland as much as I expected them to. And the wingers are a little different. And so obviously a, a transition year. Uh, but the infrastructure there, this is, this is what Guardiola talks about. This is what, this is what Real Madrid have had, right? Like you get to the semifinals and then via your infrastructure and then the rest is like player quality, some breaks, a tactical tweak here or there, a screamer. And, and suddenly you're, you're, you know, you're up in the final and you're 10 minutes away or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, 100% infrastructure you get there. I will just say City are so primed to infrastructurally get to the semifinals and lose because some tall, strong forward bullied their shit defenders. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I think the main, I would just say, adding on to the preview, I think if there's one thing that's changed in the last few weeks, I went from thinking PSG are in a state where they could be good and could be bad to PSG are just not good anymore. I think injuries have really taken over them. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say... You know, I saw Muller selfie in Paris and he was smiling. And every time Muller posts a selfie smiling, you already know it's Killian's on the bench. Um, their best two players played uh played every single minute of the World Cup. I I think Killian maybe missed a game, uh that third exactly. game. But like um, also there's just so much drama surrounding them now, too. And they're back to not caring as soon true. as the most important that's, that's tournament is over. Um yeah, I, I'm curious. I think there's a lot of teams that are hard to evaluate right now. Uh, like we said in the beginning, I can't figure out Byron. Uh, they do some really interesting tactical stuff. I believe he played Sané as an eight a couple of weeks ago and and a Twitter freaked out. Um, it, was an interesting it was very exciting. I think Sané is more of an eight, more of an advanced inside forward at this stage of his career. It was beautiful. Um, I think what's funny about Byron is all season, they're shaking the Bundesliga, but you know, the big game comes around and all the experience comes through. Joao Cancelo is now added to it. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, are you guys um, confident Wait. in Benfica? Uh, just a quick question before you ask that. <laughs> is Davies injured yeah. or something? Or he's just not playing well? Because Cancelo's starting on the left in five minutes and then Pavard on the right. As far as I've checked, Davies has had injury problems consistently. He played some minutes recently and during the week, but I don't think he's ready to start this game physically. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Even in that a lot. Benfica. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've lost a lot of talent. Uh, I know Enzo is kind of like the 
uh, people are like calling him like the hot transfer after the World Cup. And so people are like, oh, those are usually overvalued and stuff like that. This guy has been killing it for, for a while. Uh, he was the reason they were top of their group to a degree. Uh, he's He's been well-known in, in football circles for a while. And he's he's all that and, and, and then some, to be honest. And so um, they, they still have talent. They're well-coached. But, you know, when you lose that that top-end midfield engine, uh, I find it hard to believe that that you can keep going as well as you, you had been. Uh, obviously, G- Gonzalo... So I spoke to someone last summer who, when they spoke, when they sold Darwin for 80, said, oh, you don't know the half of it. They're about to sell two guys who are better than him. Um, and, and he meant Enzo and Gonzalo Ramos, uh, who, who uh, famously replaced Ronaldo with a hat-trick at the, at the World Cup. Uh, he's a very good player, a very good profile. And so, you know, obviously, that team has always had used talent coming through. Um, but a January sale of your best player makes me a little iffy. I have to ask this too. Are we one hundred percent sure that City are going to beat Leipzig? Great it question. Would be, it would be a super, super surprising. Um, uh, we, we we love Alabros, the coach. He's been great. Um, they, they're injured, though. I think Leipzig as well a little. If I, if I remember correctly, Nkunku's out. So they're playing Andre Silva. Yeah. Um, uh, no, you're not 100% sure of anything. And and City have... Look, the City stuff is very similar to the Real Madrid stuff. Like, can't give good insight without being in the dressing room there. Right? Like, are they bought in? Are they ready? They, uh, I, I really respect um, their infrastructure and commitment to like, hey guys, the people who don't want to be here, doors that way. Goodbye. Right, like the fact that they sold Sterling's and Chenko, Jesus, they didn't care who they were selling it to. Just give me a good deal, and go find somewhere you 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 feel appreciated. And that's that's the mark of like that team is starting to be serious. Like there's no the infrastructure is bigger than the player. That stuff Real Madrid would do. That stuff Sir Alex would do. That stuff uh, Barcelona have struggled with. Right, like for the reason the reason they're a little more topsy turvy is like. Messi and the Piquet and that generation may have overstayed their welcome uh, a little bit. And there was, you know, there was no ruthlessness about like, hey, if you don't want to be here and we don't want you here, let's let's move it along. Um, and so I can't tell if that's going to go great for them or go, or, or go horrible. It's probably good news for Madrid and for everyone else that the title race is very much on in England. And it'll be interesting to see what they end up with. Um, where they end up if it's like crucial Champions League tie and then you're away at Brighton and the, and the league is on, on the table like that's hard man that's always yeah. hard and I guess the last thing the last thing I'd add just to, to speak that um, just for everyone all the listeners so City play Arsenal coming up and you know and City have are going to have a tough run of t- games. They have one of the toughest schedules in Europe because they play Arsenal twice still in the Premier League. And then Madrid play Liverpool twice. We also play Barcelona in the Copa del Rey semifinals. Barcelona in the league and Atletico Madrid in the league. So, man, these super squads, which are not as super as previous years, are going to be beat it's down. World in- this is World Cup in the winter. This is a COVID backlash when we... These players are, are playing non-stop. You saw Varane retire like a week ago and he's like I'm 
I'm just done with so much football, man. Like, it's too much football. I need to chill out. Uh, maybe I'll come back for the Euros, but you you want me out here in Euros qualifying? Get, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Screw the qualifiers for sure. Yeah, you would, that's a smart move um, for sure. And, you know, I think Real's big saving grace and the reason the team is even here and maybe didn't get screwed earlier is Antonio Pintas. Um, You know, Pintas. I've, I mentioned this on several pods, but um, if you look at his teams going back like half a decade now, they're always good in the business end of the season. The only time they didn't win in Europe was because he was working with Antonio Conte um, or for Inter when they won the league. But over at Real, at a club that prioritizes the Champions League, I'm just excited to see what that periodization looks like in the spring because I know for a fact City's periodization, it doesn't work the same way. They're, they're trying to peak every week. Um, so, so I mean, it does feel like to end, it does feel like this is going to be the Champions League of injuries. Like even Tottenham, who are a decent out on any day, are just devastated. I think Pentecourt just tore his knee. Chelsea, Liverpool, Liverpool's list of like who's not playing is longer than who is. Madrid are struggling with Benzema, etc. So this really feels like a year where continuity. Uh, and so maybe... Um, the people who are out of their league races. So that that's a that's a knock against Bayern and PSG who have who are somehow still alive in these title races. I think Bayern are up only one point as of today. And uh, yeah, I think I think whoever gets their fit, whoever gets a good draw, gets their fit. And we're gonna reassess like the, the previews will look very different in April. Uh, if Liverpool can make it through Madrid, for example, and get everyone back, that's a that's a team you don't want to face, right? Yeah, all, all good points, guys. I love talking just as much as you guys, but the games have started, so let's get out of here. Uh, thanks for doing this again. We'll do it again. Party, I'm sure, coming soon. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Just a heads up that tomorrow's post-game podcast versus Elche will be live on Zoom, and if you want access to that, be a patron over on patreon.com slash managing Thanks, Ali. Thanks, Sid. Talk soon. Peace. Thanks for listening, everyone. And before we send you along on your way and wrap it up here, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. The ever-growing Real Madrid family that is being built there is incredible. And we're really thankful to be on this journey with you guys. So shout out to all of our patrons who get a ton of bonus content. If you want to get in on the action, go to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. And a specific shout out to these $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Way Pairing, Tobias the Royal Botcher, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, Shay Hatiri, Shamil, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, As- uh, Nico Laxo, Oscar Barrera, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Marin Myrtle, Michael Zinberg, Nicholas Moeller, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, 
Faisal Hamdan, Essay, Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P, Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armand, Armando L, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys are legends. Thank you so much. Love you all and Hala Marib.